Happy Wednesday to everybody. The No House Advantage Turkey Day Special Football Deeper Dive Strategy Show is here for you. Myself, Greg Ehrenberg, in the house. Tyler is producing all here courtesy of NHA, where we have that promo code AWESOMO. You put in 25, and then we match up to 25. You know the drill. Thumbs up, subscribe, and thanks for the ride here. We have not one, but three. Normally, we only have one game to sift through and get through, Greg. As far as Thursday is concerned, now we have three. And while there may be a stinker and a half in there, some decent football to expect as well, I would hope, right? Yeah, and the other thing good is for no house advantage purposes, I always feel like I'm being, my arm is getting twisted into some of these props where we're doing these one game slates. It's like, I don't know, I guess maybe 34 and a half over under receiving yards for the second, you know, for like the third wide receiver on a team. Like maybe that's reasonable, but for today, you know, we've got a lot of guys to choose from. So right away, I look over at the free projections that we have over on awesomeo.com for no house advantage. And we've got a bunch of ones to choose from where, you know, there's, there's spots where we have, you know, pretty significant chances of things hitting the over and under. All right, let's start with the quarterbacks as we do. And let me remind everybody out there, as Greg will throughout as well, you can't play somebody who's out. Don't play somebody who's out. Don't think that you're getting over on the field by slamming a bunch of Justin Fields unders. He's out. Now, granted, he's on the player list here, but just like any DFS contest where somebody's out, you're not going to get any points or any play there for running with Fields. So we're down to our four quarterbacks across the three-game slate. We've got Carr, Prescott, Allen, and Simeon. Let's make you work. All right, let's start off and make you work here, Greg. Let's start with Trevor Simeon, all right? There's no rules or regulations to who we're starting with. We'll just go position by position. Simeon is sitting at 220 and a half passing yards, one and a half passing touchdowns, and the half interception. And yes, I'll remind you what you just said a couple of seconds ago. You don't have to play everybody. So don't feel compelled to play any Simeon here. Yeah, which, by the way, if you guys want to follow along with us, go on, head on over to awesomeo.com. We have free projections for No House Advantage. You can go click on those, and you'll see what we have projected for the Thursday night slate tomorrow. Still a lot of injury news to come out as well, the Saints running back situation. We've got Mark Ingram's questionable, Alvin Kamara's questionable, C.D. Lamb on the Cowboys, he's questionable. Lots of key injury news that's going to shake up the slate a good amount. As for your question about Trevor Simeon, and by the way, one thing that really stands out about our, about our props projections, of the top... Uh, 10 or so four of them are overs on interceptions for quarterbacks Derek Carr Josh Allen Dak Prescott Trevor Simeon we like the overs on all of those interception marks and it's hard not to like the overs when they're set so low at 0.5 you know there's no vig in either way it's just will this guy throw an interception or not and most likely these guys are more likely to throw interceptions than they are to not throw interceptions Trevor Simeon also has been allowed to throw the ball kind of a shocking amount of times for for the Saints offense. It's not like they're being really conservative with them, which just means that more likely chance for him and his stupid looking mullet haircut to throw an interception here. Cause you you look at him in recent games where he's actually been relevant for fantasy purposes when you're talking about full slates over on FanDuel and DraftKings. And the playbook is kind of open for him. He's thrown a couple of interceptions so far. And so far, we've, we've seen, by the way, both of them last week. But here's his past attempts, last three games, 40-34-41. More likely than not, Trevor Simeon's going to throw an interception if he's throwing the ball upwards of 40 times per game. Wow. Is that right? 40 times per game. So we're expecting them down, right? Not, not up here. That, that's pretty much a lot of game script would lend him to throwing the ball. 
Now, over that half interception, is this a 10? And we never hold you to a specific point by all means, but is this a, a 10 to 8 point play here, a confidence play? Or are you sliding this maybe more in the middle range? Uh, it's pretty high, more towards the middle, but still one that I like a lot. I really like the over for all of these QBs interceptions, which align with our projections right here. But like I said, Trevor Simi, not a particularly good quarterback. And he's thrown the ball so many times in these three games, all losses for the Saints, by the way. We expect them to once again be losing, like you said, against the Buffalo Bills. And just to reiterate, 41, 34, 40 pass attempts for Simeon. He's more likely to throw an interception than not in that kind of volume. So same scenario here for Allen, where he has the half interception, although the two and a half passing touchdowns, 290 and a half passing yards. You mentioned you like the interceptions over for all four quarterbacks. Either of those numbers, passing yards or passing touchdowns, even if it's a fade, jump out is maybe something better. Yeah, so no, the interceptions is the best one for me, just because Josh Allen's been not very safe with the football. He's thrown an interception in each of the last three games. He's eight interceptions for the year. I'm kind of confused by how books are viewing the Buffalo Bills. And I've made fun of the of, of books on Twitter for the last few weeks now. The Buffalo Bills are one of the favorites to win the Super Bowl. Josh Allen's a favorite to win the MVP this year. They have one win this season against a team with a 500 record. They've just padded the record against really crappy competition. You know, they've got big wins over the Dolphins. They've got big wins over the Texans, big wins over Washington. They have the one good-looking win against the Kansas City Chiefs. It was also when the Chiefs were struggling. Beyond that, though, this Bills team has not been overly impressive. So I look at those numbers for Josh Allen. They're just really inflated. We haven't projected to score a lot of fantasy points this week. I think under two and a half passing touchdowns would also be reasonable. But since that interception prop is so low at 0.5, I feel pretty good about the over because, like I said, interceptions, three consecutive games, eight for the season. Same numbers for Dak, except you bump up the passing yards to 295 and a half. A lot of expectation where Lamb looks like he's trending towards playing. A lot of belief, at least in this game, that the Cowboys are going to throw all over the place. But also that maybe that falls into what you were saying, which is, hey, more attempts for Dak equals at least more chances to be picked off. Yeah, exactly. And once again, Dak Prescott, a quarterback who's coming off a game where he struggled and he hasn't had the best season. He's had a really good season coming back from injury, but it's not like he's had the most uh, safe season throwing the football at times. So Dak Prescott also, he's been mistake prone this year. And I think maybe some of that could be attributed to coming back from the injury, maybe a little bit of rust at times. But still, overall, he's thrown seven interceptions this year. He was picked off twice last week. He's been intercepted in four of the last five games. So we're just looking at these situations where these guys average right around one interception per game. And the interception prop is 0.5. So then you're just looking at it from a math perspective. And you're saying, well, Dak Prescott's only had three games this entire season where he didn't throw an interception. And it's just a yes or no proposition when it's at 0.5. He's more likely to throw an interception than not. It's not to say some of the other props can't be appealing but it's just not nearly the same odds as we're getting on the interceptions prop. Same thing I assume applies to Carr here, especially you look at most of the books, they have 37 and a half, 38 and a half attempts for Carr as far as his over under. And that, dare I say, may even be conservative based on how down Vegas may find themselves in the second half, Greg. Yeah, and then once again, you look at the other Derek Carr props. So 1.5 passing touchdowns. We haven't projected for 1.6. Passing yards, 285 is the projection. We have them projected for 292 passing yards. So then you start to say like, okay, those are really efficient. 
How about his interceptions? Well, he's projected for 0.77 interceptions for us when the line is only 0.5. So he's way more likely to hit the over on that number than he is to hit the over or the under on anything else. So all these quarterbacks, the interceptions props, something that you and I have talked about a lot on these Thursday slates, the interceptions props are some of the best ones to look at for quarterbacks. It's yes or no propositions, and most quarterbacks are more likely to throw interceptions in the game than not. And the beauty of it is you look at the books on a half interception, a lot of times, depending on who the quarterback is, one side is you know favorable where you're going to get some good plus money. But as you know, the other side is like minus 180 or 190, which is a heavy deterrent not to play that. Here on NHA, there's no juice associated to it. So if you find a quarterback like, for example, Carr, or we talked about with Simeon, anybody that you can fade in real life, but man, you'll stay away from that because you don't want to lay the juice. Here, it's a beautiful thing that you don't have to worry about that, and you can take advantage of what Greg laid out. All right, man, let's move to the running backs here. One on each for Chicago, Detroit, Montgomery, DeAndre Swift as well. For Montgomery, it's 65 and a half rushing yards. The touchdown, rushing touchdown is a half, and it's basically the same for DeAndre Swift, except, of course, it's 10 yards less at, uh, sorry, at 55 and a half as opposed to 65 and a half for uh, Montgomery. So either of those guys jump out as far as unders or overs really for their rushing yards. And again, the yes or no proposition for a rushing touchdown, nothing on receiving yet for, for Swift, unfortunately. 65 and a half is crazy low for rushing yards for David Montgomery matchup against the Detroit Lions. That's a really favorable one. 65 and a half. If you look at sports books, most books have this line set at 74 and a half, 75 and a half, 76 and a half rushing yards to David Montgomery. So NHA is a little too light here on David Montgomery. In my opinion, good matchup against the Lions. Like we said, we haven't projected for a little over 90 rushing yards. So I think David Montgomery, that's one of my favorite skill position things to look at here is the over 65 and a half rushing yards. You mentioned DeAndre Swift. It's really hard to trust this Lions offense because it's bad and Jared Goff's the quarterback. So could they score touchdowns? Yes, but it's not super likely they score all that much against the Bears. The Bears have a good defense as much as their offense has struggled this year. Still a competent defense. So I think that the Lions are going to struggle to score. Even if they do score, if it does go to DeAndre Swift, he's just as likely to score the rushing touchdown as he's with a receiving touchdown. So for that reason, I think DeAndre Swift, that 0.5 rushing touchdowns, very high number. Uh, I think that if it was 0.5 total touchdowns, that would be about accurate. But since it could only be a rushing touchdown, give me the under there. All right. So sounds like this is a 10 to 8 point play at the very least for Montgomery and the rushing yards, where would you put your confidence level with Swift in that play? Still pretty high. If you look okay. at our projections, that is the, let's see. Um, it's, it's, it's one of the top 10 uh, highest likelihood projections that we have on any individual player. Uh, so yeah, something in the neighborhood, if you're playing multiple lineups, you got those like four or five point play. It would be no issue to me. Zeke's at 75 and a half. He still has the half rushing touchdown. It's pretty much going to be consistent across the board. Same thing with Josh Jacobs, the half touchdown. You do have a little bit of a break with Jacobs at 55 and a half rushing yards. Just a question of how much Vegas can stay with the run game, depending on how much they're down in this game. Yeah, and I think that we could play to the game script here with the props that we're taking on Zeke and Josh Jacobs. You mentioned right there, 0.5 rushing touchdowns for each of them. 
Well, Zeke has seven rushing touchdowns this year. And before we were talking about the interceptions prop for, for Dak Prescott, by the way, uh, so seven rushing touchdowns, another receiving touchdown for Elliott, but we only care about the rushing touchdowns here. <laughs> for the exact same reason that Elliott is more likely to be over 0.5 rushing touchdowns, same reason that Dak Prescott was likely to be over 0.5 interceptions, seven interceptions for Prescott, seven rushing touchdowns this year for Elliott also. This is a game script that sets up pretty favorably for the Cowboys to be running the ball out in the fourth quarter. So Zeke, I think the over 0.5 rushing touchdowns make sense. On the other side with Josh Jacobs, you mentioned there, I think it's pretty likely that the, that the Raiders are going to be down in this game for expecting the Cowboys to be up. So correlation to having the over rushing touchdowns for Zeke Elliott in the same lineup as the under rushing touchdowns for Josh Jacobs, just because that's so game script oriented. All right. We've got, speaking of game script, I'm curious just, a general question how you approach both backs for Buffalo. We do have Mark Ingram, so let's knock Ingram out first. There's only one prop, and it's basically are you interested or not here for Ingram? 65 and a half rushing yards. You talked about Buffalo's defense. It's a tough unit. Maybe in the case of New Orleans getting up, they're able to run, and clearly Ingram would be that guy. But 65 and a half, depending on our projections, Greg, is the number for Ingram. Any interest? And this is it. This is the only thing we have available on NHA for Ingram. It's so hard to say because Alvin Kamara is questionable to play. Mark Ingram is questionable to play. So obviously, if Mark Ingram's out, we don't like Mark Ingram because those, right. those, those just get a zero. But there's situations here where a couple of different, couple of different situations could make this prop for Mark Ingram favorable or not favorable in either direction. If Alvin Kamara ends up playing, I like the under for Mark Ingram. It would just be less work for him. If Alvin Kamara is out, I like the over for Mark Ingram because that would mean more workload for him. Uh, but then, once again, there's a situation where neither of them play. So we just need more information here. But there, there are certainly situations where the over or the under can make sense for Ingram. All right. So let's look at these two backs. And how are you approaching just in general? If it's from an NHA standpoint, to Jack, or, you know, as far as like DFS or maybe on, on the betting element here. We have these two guys definitely still carries for Moss, although Singletary looks to be in a better position. Before we even look at, you know, specifically right now, Moss is at 35 and a half and Singletary at 30 and a half rushing yards. I don't even know how you approach these two guys, knowing how difficult it is with Josh Allen really being their best runner and then some. Yeah, and the other thing, too, is that the Bills don't like to run the football. So it, it's a situation where you don't know which running back it's going to be that gets the bulk of the carries, even if it is. Are they going to be relevant at all? So I know the last game was fairly one-sided uh, in a loss to the Colts, but listen to the carries for this game. Matt Breida also in the mix. So Matt Breida right. carries the ball five times last week. Devin Singletary three times. Zach Moss three times. And then you got Josh Allen, who, like you said, he carried the ball a couple times himself. It's it's really hard to know who the running back is going to be amongst those three. My inclination is you just go with the under for Zach Moss from the standpoint of there's a lot of guys. That's a not insignificant rushing total that he has there. So I, I think that you go under the rushing yards of Zach Moss because 35 and a half is pretty high for a guy who's not been super involved on a week-to-week basis. I'm going to pull up the game logs right now for Zach Moss. And... All right. Game logs for Zach Moss. How many times this year would you say he's at over 35 and a half rushing yards? I'm going to guess three. It is three, but all three happened in a row. It was when Devin Singletary was out. And the last time it happened was October 10th. So recent rushing yard totals for Zach Moss, 5, 27, 6, 19, 24. Give me the under rushing yards for Zach Moss there. 
Yeah, that's actually a pretty strong play. I mean, are we up in that like seven to five point range as far as the confidence level in this play? Probably higher than that. We only have them projected for 17 rushing yards. And like I said, there's a couple things that have to go right here. Number one, the Bills have to run the football, which we don't know if that's going to be the case. They don't like to run the ball a lot. Then even if that is the case, Zach Moss has to be the guy. Maybe not the case because they have other running backs in the mix. Then three, he actually has to be effective when he runs the football. So uh, to me, there's a lot of more reasons like the under than the over. All right, let's look at Mooney. Of course, he had the huge game. The last time these two teams played back in week four, he's sitting at 60 and a half receiving yards, four and a half receptions. St. Brown is the only other guy that you can play in this game. And he's at 40 and a half receiving yards, three and a half receptions. But I'm sure Mooney is definitely going to be on a lot of people's minds after what happened the first time these two teams got together. Yeah, and I think it has to be considered an upgrade for him because uh, Andy Dalton's a quarterback. And remember, when we had everybody up in arms that Andy Dalton was starting over Justin Fields, and everybody sees Justin Fields starting, like, oh, my God, Andy Dalton's way better than this guy. So, you know, for the future, I still think Justin Fields should generally be starting, but he's hurt right now, so it doesn't matter. But this is a dead season for the Bears. They might as well just go with Fields to get him the confidence, get a better feel on him. But for this week for fantasy – Andy Dalton being in a quarterback, that's an upgrade for the Bears wide out. So Darnell Mooney, like you said, he's been their go-to guy. I think everybody assumed it would have been Allen Robinson just because he's been so successful in the past, even with crappy quarterbacks. But Allen Robinson's been banged up this year. He's been looking a little bit old. So Darnell Mooney, we've projected for about, let's see, what do we have? Yeah, we have a projected for about five and a half receptions. So the number actually really like here for Darnell Mooney is over four and a half receptions. All right, Renfro right now, 60 and a half, five and a half receptions for Renfro. Seems like a pretty big number. Gallup, we know, 60 and a half, four and a half, depending on what happens with Lamb. And Lamb is now at 85 and a half receiving yards, six and a half receptions. Have to factor in that he is coming back from that concussion, whether or not he plays is still up in the air, although he did practice today on Wednesday, which is a good sign. 85 and a half, six and a half. He and Renfro's numbers seem pretty high. I like Renfro's, especially because ever since we've seen the Raiders offense without Henry Ruggs, they've just thrown the ball to Hunter Renfro a ton. So we've been projected for nearly 70 receiving yards. It's not my favorite play in the world, but I lean towards the over for Hunter Renfro. The 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 CD Lamb one's just going to be a stay away for me for a couple of reasons. Number one, it's a high number. Number two, we're still not sure if he's going to play. Number three, even if he plays. What capacity is he going to be limited at all? Is he going to be banged up? So I'll stay away from I'll stay away from CeeDee Lamb. There is no Amari Cooper. So he's going to be the number one guy there in a big way for the Cowboys. I'm just a little bit concerned about all the injury situation, but slight, slightly prefer the fav, the uh, the over on Hunter Renfro to the under. All right, man. And let's look at the wideouts here for the final game. The third game will hit tight ends on the way out. It's split. We've got three each to choose from. Actually, I stand corrected. We have four wide. Uh, nope. Yeah, we actually do have four wide receivers. Gabriel Davis has inserted himself into this conversation. I thought it was just three on the surface here, but and it's Diggs. Shame on you for trying to take him out. I apologize. I, I guess <laughs> I just assumed that it would be three and three, but here we are with four wide receivers. So Gabriel Davis, Cole Beasley, Emmanuel Sanders, and Stefan Diggs. Diggs has the huge numbers, 85 and a half seven and a half receptions. And then it gets down to, you know, Manuel Sanders, 50 and a half, three and a half. Beasley's at 50 and a half, although his reception's a little higher at five and a half. And then here's Gabriel Davis at 25 and a half receiving yards, 
one and a half receptions. You could live dangerously and pound that under on Davis one and a half receptions. Uh, yeah, give me Stefan Diggs for under seven and a half receptions. It's a really high line for a guy who was one of the best wide receivers in football last year. And that's not to say he hasn't been the case this year. He's still very good, but the fantasy numbers and the overall counting stats, not what they were a year ago, 60 receptions on the year for, for Stefan Diggs, 773 receiving yards. So you look at the recent receptions for Diggs and keep in mind, you have to get to eight for him to hit the over here. He's only done that three times all season and the last few games, four, eight, six, five, it just hasn't happened all that often. So the under for Steph Diggs seems a lot more favorable to me. Uh, it's a team that while they're throwing a lot, they do also have Emmanuel Sanders in the mix. So the wide receiver core is a little bit deeper. Dawson Knox, he's taken a step forward this year. Then you also have to consider that Josh Allen isn't playing quite as well this year as he did last year. So all of that leads me to think the under is a little bit more favorable looking for Diggs than the over. Is there anything that jumps out as far as just game script combined with opportunity here for New Orleans? You know, we talked about Trevor Simeon in the quarterback section here. You've got Deontay Harris and Traquan Smith. Marcus Callaway is going to have 40 and a half, three and a half. It's basically going to be 40 and a half, three and a half for everybody except Harris, who's at 45 and a half and three and a half. So you have these three Saints receivers with essentially the same two props across the board. It's going to depend on the status of Alvin Kamara. If Kamara is out, especially because you got a check down king at quarterback and Trevor Simeon, who's going to throw him short balls all day if Alvin Kamara is in. But if he isn't going to play, then there's a lot of target share that opens up. And that's when I think we can maybe look at low confidence plays and guys like Callaway or, uh, or Deontay Harris for over receptions or over receiving yards. As it stands right now, though, if Kamara plays, I would just kind of stay away from the entire situation. But value there if he's out for sure. Um, okay, so only if Kamara plays, every, everything else is a pass. No, no, only if only if Kamara's out. I'm sorry, if he's out, I apologize, Greg. If he's out, everything else is a pass if he's in, correct? Yeah. Okay, so let's look at tight ends. We've got three here. We've got Hawk, we've got Waller, and Knox. So let's start with TJ Hawkinson. And, you know, books have him about four and a half, which is where NHA has him here as well. 45 and a half receiving yards. We also have Waller at 65 and a half receiving yards, the five and a half receptions, which I know is a higher number, but seems pretty doable with game script here. And then Knox at 40 and a half receiving yards, three and a half perceptions. First two guys receptions don't seem terrible. Is there a, is there a guy or maybe a prop that jumps out the most with these three tight ends? Uh, I, I kind of like Darren Waller over five and a half receptions. He's been really inefficient this year, but he gets so many targets yep. that it doesn't really matter sometimes. So we saw that, you know, week one, he had one of the better fantasy games we've seen from a tight end and it was pretty inefficient from a real life perspective. He was targeted off the top of my head. Uh, well, I was going to say off the top of my head, but then the stats page loaded. So I just have it in front of me <laughs> week one. He was targeted 19 times. He caught 10 of those passes for 105 yards. For actual real-life production standpoint, that's not good to catch 10 of 19 targets or 105 yards. But for fantasy purpose, that's terrific. And there's no Henry Ruggs in the picture for the Raiders. The target share really gets narrowed down that much to where it's really centered around guys like Hunter Renfro and Darren Waller. So last three games for Waller, 11 targets, 7 targets, 8 targets. He's at least 7 targets in all but one game this year. So it doesn't matter if he's inefficient with those targets. It's so much workload that it's not hard for him to be over on the reception. So I, I do like that play. All right, my friends. I think we nailed everything in there. That's a busy. Normally, this is how long it takes us to get through one game. I'm pretty impressed. 
Hey, I, I, I'm, I'm getting the work done. I see, I look at the, I look at our schedule. I look at the one-stop shop and go, Oh boy, we got to be out here at 425. But I'm committed to getting everybody the best picks possible. I know how, I know how to manage. That's why we follow you on Twitter at G Ehrenberg DFS. That's why you get all these thank you shouts there. Jordan Klein is in here infiltrating, hijacking the chat. I see <laughs> my goodness, Tyler. Thank you producing as well. Thanks to NHA. Use our promo code AWESOMO. It's the same pretty much across the board. You put in 25, we'll match 25. Have a great, happy, healthy, safe Thanksgiving. Greg, to you as well. Tyler, you as well. Eat up, everybody. You could use a couple of pounds on you. Eat up, everybody out there. All right? Have a great night. 